Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank God for our church. If you have your Bibles this morning, beloved, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 3, 1 through 6. Luke 3, 1 through 6. I'm going to believe God this morning. You know, it's always interesting, you know, you have a dynamic preacher like Artie Aragon. Uh, you know, it's just, <laughs> you're like, all right, here we go, Lord. Is. But God's going to help us and thank God for his word. Amen. That's what we're hearing today. We're at this tragic story, no doubt. And I already said it. Out of Glendale, Arizona, this last Wednesday night, Blaze News writes this. While street preaching the gospel, CFM, Victory Chapel's outreach director, their uh, version of a door director, Hans Schmidt, 26-year-old father, was standing in the northwest corner of 51st and Peoria Avenue with his bullhorn, coding scripture and preaching to passerbys ahead of an evening service. So here's this guy, just simply... Street preaching right there. Church is about to start. Trying to get folks in, no doubt. When at 6 p.m., somebody evidently pulled a gun on him. Quote, it's unclear whether the shooter attempted the apparent, quote, assassination on foot or from a car. The news indicated that police were dispatched to a hospital following reports that someone had been assaulted, but they soon discovered the victim had been shot. So here was Hans. He's preaching. His mom, I believe, wrote a little blog of some sort, said, my son was simply preaching. Somebody shot him. Bullet went into his head, fell down. I don't know how he got back up. And then he felt dizzy, had a seizure, fell back down. The ambulance came. There's still movement, apparently, as a latest, my understanding, and through CT scans, et cetera, but the bullet right now is still lodged in his brain. They call it inoperable, and the Victory Chapel Church of Glendale saying, please, beloved, please continue to pray for Hans Schmidt and his wife, Zula Schmidt. Several people commented, Henry Branch, he's a nearby resident, said this, who knows why somebody would want to take it out on a preacher like that because he's speaking the gospel and good news to everybody. He's out to help the community. Paul Sanchez works nearby, recalled occasionally seeing people drive by cursing and screaming at Schmidt as he preached. However, Sanchez said the preacher never uh, responded with hostility. There was a slurry of everything really i mean hateful comments people yelling at him yeah just get off the street all sorts of mean things 
Larry Detman, a congregant who learned of this on Wednesday, simply said, out of nowhere, how does this happen? You know, there's evil in the world, uh, and there's a bunch of, quote, human junk in people's lives, and they take it out on somebody else. People are falling in darkness instead of light. And so as of Thursday, police are still investigating. They have yet to arrest any suspects. When I heard this story, um, no doubt moved. And regarding today, I want to look at the need to preach. I need more, more umph in here, guys. The need to preach. This is why 1 Corinthians 1.23 says, So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. Fact is, okay, we're going way, way too loud. Fact is, uh, listen this morning, uh, there is opposition uh, to the word of God. There is opposition to preaching. Somebody else commented, uh, well, I knew it was going to happen one of those dates. Those guys are out there yelling at cars and that kind of thing. Oh, I just, I just told the men this morning, I, I read, the, read the story that uh, somebody going to a football game, uh, a guy wearing a Miami Dolphins uh, jersey hit a guy wearing a Patriots jersey, uh, hit him in the nose or something. Uh, this guy blacked out uh, and he died. There's 130 cases right now of that taking place last as of last year in the NFL, violence in the stadiums. Let me just say this morning, uh, no, uh, I beg to differ. Uh, listen, people are violent, period. <laughs> and uh, you're going to preach something in life. This morning, we need to preach Christ. And Christ, uh, listen, uh, resurrected. Can you say amen? Isaiah 55, 11 says this, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. This morning, beloved, we're going to look at a preacher. That during a time of need, uh, Israel was in desperate need uh, of a spiritual renewal, if you will, a revival, direction, uh, and yes, hope. It was so needed that for 400 plus years, uh, there had been no prophetic word spoken uh, to the Israelites from Malachi to the Gospels. Can you imagine 400 years of silence where God's not speaking to anyone, if you will? I don't know about you, but uh, that's a scary, scary thing. You can't hear from God. Let's look this morning at a man named John the Baptist. And what would God use or utilize to reach people of the time and to reach people today? I want to preach a sermon I've entitled The Voice. The Voice. Out of Luke 3, 1 through 6. Are you with me, church? The Voice. The Bible says this. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar... Pontius Pilate began being rather, uh, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being uh, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetrarch of Etoria and the region of uh, Trancontus, and Lysanias tetrarch of Abilene. While 
uh, Annas and Caiaphas were high priests. Verse 2, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Verse 3, and he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance, underline that, for the, underline, remission of sins. Verse 4, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, the voice of one cried in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth. Verse 6, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Let's pray, God, thank you for the word of God. I pray, God, for an anointing this morning, God, for your truth to go forward, Lord God. Help, God, your people this morning, God. I ask this in Jesus' holy name and I ask this today in a special prayer, God, for the Smith family and the Glendale church. I ask in Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. The voice, the voice. Let's believe God this morning. Slide two, I want to look at a little bit of a background, but what was John the Baptist's assignment? Let me just say very quickly, beloved, that when you get saved, it's like, okay, man, if maybe during revival you came, you heard the word of God being preached, you repented of your sins, you turned to Jesus, God forgave you, God helped you. Can I say that's a great, great miracle? We had many people do that, so praise God for that. That's a repentance part. I'll talk about that in a minute. Remission is a forgiveness part. But what God begins to do in your life, though, he wants you to live for him, start walking in his paths, as I've preached before. Uh, in other words, uh, God wants to give you a, an assignment. <laughs> and can I say one of those uh, is simply, listen, to declare his word as an ambassador. Now, here's the word of God. It was rare that day, and Luke 3, 1 through 2, names seven different men, including a Roman emperor, a governor, three rulers, two Jewish high priests. Here's all these men with position, with clouts, with money. But the Bible says something interesting. It says that God's word was not sent to any of them. Instead, the message of God came to John the Baptist, a humble Jewish prophet. He say amen. In all that region, the Bible says uh, amen. That's what took place. And verse 3 says, And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So here's John the Baptist. He's gone, beloved. Amen. First of all, preaching. Why is preaching needed and utilized in the Bible? This is John's assignment. First of all, preaching leads to a baptism of repentance. What does that mean? That simply means this, beloved. Uh, it's a decision that results in a change of mind which in turn leads to a change of purpose and action. I got saved in 1987. Uh, well, I was attending, it's a little bit higher. I was attending uh, Texas A&I University in Kingsville, Texas. 
And right there, man, I mean, I live in a frat house. Uh, I've been partying. Uh, I wasn't doing illegal things uh, in the sense of smoking dope. That was before the Marine Corps. But I'm partying, man, still. I live, it's like John Belushi at a frat house, you know? Still a little high here, guys. We get feedback. And so because of that, uh, you know, I, I'm like, man, I was lost, lost in the sauce until somebody finally began to tell me about Jesus, witness to me. I heard the word of God. I was invited to a, a Baptist student union luncheon. I go right there. I hear a simple preacher preaching the word of God. Uh, amen. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I heard that. I didn't have that assurance of, man, when I die, I don't know where I'm going to go. I want to make heaven my home. He invited me to his office the next couple of days. Uh, I prayed right there. He showed me some scripture. And I understood, man, like, God, you're real. Do you know what started happening? Decisions and changes in my heart started happening. When my party friends called me, like, yeah, no, I'm not going to party. When my roommate said, hey, man, there's some pot under your bed. Why don't you smoke a joint? I'm like, no, thank you. When a girl calls me at 12 o'clock, in the morning, hey, Roland, what are you doing? It's called the devil with the blue dress on. Anyways, like, no thanks. <laughs> so then, you know, man, I might call, I call a friend. Hey, this is what's going on in my life, man. He goes, and what'd you say? I said, this, this, and this. He goes, man, the devil's throwing all kinds of things at your way, Roland. Let's get a hold of Jesus. And we prayed right there over the phone uh, and thank God for that. But I knew, can you say amen, church? But I knew something changed because it's what repentance is exactly that. It's a decision that results in a change of mind, which in turn leads to a change of purpose and action. So here is John. He's preaching repentance. That means people are hearing him. They're going one way in life and they're like, yeah, you know what? I'm sinning, uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. I'm going down the wrong path. I'm repenting. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm changing direction. And they started going that way. Can you say amen? That's repentance. The angel told Zacharias years ago that he would have a son, and his name shall be John. The Bible says in Luke 1, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He, God, will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Talk about an assignment. Can I tell you the answer to America and what everybody is doing? Listen, man, repent. Turn to Jesus. People have lost their ways. So here it is. Here's this message. Here's this assignment. Years ago, we did a hot dog outreach, you know, concert, rappers, people giving testimonies and then preaching at the end. Lady comes by in that neighborhood. I think it was when Sammy and Sally lived over here. Who's the pastor here? <laughs> and they're that guy right there. <laughs> okay. So, are you the pastor? I'm like, yes, ma'am. 
He goes, Jesus would never have done this. Uh, eat a hot dog? Uh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> done what exactly? She goes, he would have never been out here uh, preaching like you guys are doing and that kind of thing. I'm like, really? Well, I beg to differ with all due respect. Because the Bible says in Matthew 4, 17, Jesus began to preach repentance uh, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can you say amen? Jesus was a street preacher. He was a preacher. That's what preaching does, beloved. Warren Worsby comments, Israel had crossed the Jordan uh, to claim their promised land. Now God summoned them to turn from sin and enter his spiritual kingdom. A pastor that pastored during the rise of Adolf Hitler in Germany, uh, Pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, once said, the preaching of grace can only be protected by the preaching of repentance. Or in other words, listen, uh, have you ever heard the saying, uh, there's no love in that church, uh, it's just preaching, uh, there's judgment and that kind of thing. Listen, beloved, we've got to preach a balanced gospel. Can you say amen? Yes, there's God's grace, obviously. We need God's grace, but there's God's truth as well. It's got to be preached. Number two, preaching is utilized for the remission of sins. What does this mean? The word remission signifies a release from bondage or imprisonment. appreciate Brother Mayo, amen, and some of the folks going out there uh, uh, to the halfway houses and such and to these, 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 uh, these centers. Imagine those folks there when they get released from that bondage that they're in, that prison, if you will, that's what the word remission means. It's a release uh, for a dismissal. Uh, what it is, beloved, is remission means forgiveness. Would you appreciate, listen, what God does, amen, in revivals uh, and just in preaching uh, of the gospel, man? You know, one thing that God begins to do in people's lives as they come and give their lives to Jesus is, listen, man, they're forgiven. They feel forgiven. Think of the very worst sin you've ever done. But by the blood of Jesus, uh, he'll wipe away that sin uh, because God can forgive you. Let's praise God for that. <clears throat> so God utilizes preaching and the preacher to voice repentance and remission. By the way, the gospel, beloved, is, how many know, good news? The word of God is good news. I appreciate that man that said those comments about our brother. He says, you know what? All he's doing out here, man, he's preaching, but he's preaching some hope. This is why the Bible says in Romans 10, 14, how shall, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Let's praise God for that. Come on, church. So here's the assignment, if you will. So what happened here? Fact is, truth had to be heard, beloved. But I want to pose a question this morning. Why won't people hear the voice? Go back to the slides. Next slide. Why won't people hear the voice? 
or the preacher. Well, here's several reasons. Can I tell you something? Sometimes, you know, as a pastor, you know, sometimes, no doubt, uh, office parties when I was working in the cities, that kind of thing, you know, you'd show up and they know you're a pastor. Uh, uh, sometimes people, like, will put on a certain face or just kind of avoid you and kind of walk away. <laughs> it's like, here comes this guy, man. In fact, my own family, man, when, you know, during Christmas, it's like, hello, am I invited to anything, you know? <laughs> my, brother's, my brother's never invited me to. <sighs> but my family in church did. I'm just saying that, you know what, why would people not want to hear a preacher? Number one, people have become complacent or tired of hearing the word of God. Right? And they'll dismiss it. They're like, we already heard it, man. You can start telling about Jesus. Stop. Stop. I already heard that. I already heard that, okay? My brother goes to this church, and he's a Christian, and he... Could that be the reason, one reason? Certainly. Because the Bible says in 1 Samuel 3, 1, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Eli, the high priest there, became complacent. He allowed his sons to fornicate, do perverted things in the church, wouldn't judge things, beloved, in his own household. Uh, the result of that was an attitude uh, in uh, the people. They're like, eh. Right? Are you with me? Am I preaching the right, right sermon this morning? You become complacent when you become uh, kind of like, well, I don't think uh, I'm going to dismiss the word of God. I don't really need it. May I encourage you this morning, uh, we need to apply the word of God. Not dismiss the word of God. Gallup poll records a low 20% of Americans now say the Bible is the literal word of God. In, in Artie's words, uh, are you kidding me? 20% of Americans say that the Bible is the literal word of God. In fact, what they're saying, many people, what they're saying is, yeah, it's actually a collection of fables, legends, history, and moral precepts recorded by men. Let me just say that's convenient. Because if you say that, you know what, well, obviously men wrote the word of God as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Can you say men? But here they're trying to say, you know what, all that's in the Bible, all that's in the Word of God, uh, you know what? Uh, they're just stories and fables, man. Don't pay attention to them. Hey, if it works for you, good. If it doesn't, there's other things you can do. Really? We'll get to that here in a minute. Why won't people hear the voice of the preacher? Well, quite simply, people have become hostile to the Word of God. How many know that preaching demands a verdict? Either you believe it or you don't believe it. Either like, yeah, I don't know about all that. <laughs> I don't know about this. I don't know about that. 
You know, I just quoted John 3.16. Christians know that scripture. But let's go to John 3.18 and 19. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19, this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Isn't that it right there? For everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. You know why folks are hostile towards the word of God? I don't like what he said about that. <laughs> it goes deeper. There's sin issues involved there. You know, here we are in Hawaii, and Rick Palma told me that in Hawaii, there's actually a church there that uh, they believe in the Trinity. They believe, you know, in, in, in using the Bible in church. But they also believe in marijuana. You know how we have gift, uh, visitors' gift packets? They be gift to people, visitors. I hope they're getting them, right? Just a little, you know, things, a thanks, appreciation. Here's a cup or something like that, right? Well, in their gift packages, they actually give marijuana cigarettes. I don't know how that, how that looks like. It's like, who's your pastor? Is Cheech and Chong? I mean, really? It's like, all right, dude, we'll see, man. Turn a loop or what? Wow, dude. I don't know how that works. But the reality is that, you know what? We talked to a couple of these guys out there. They're like, man, what's your stance on? Uh, I talked to one guy. Man, do you believe in pot? I'm like, I believe there's pot out there, but I don't believe Christians should be smoking pot. Okay? Right? What's an herb in the field, man? God created the herbs. Uh, yeah, he created a lot of different things that you shouldn't be smoking. Same. But they want to justify their sin because their deeds are dark and their deeds are evil. They don't want to come to the light. So as long as they're in the darkness, they're like, you know what? Hey, I'm good, man. You, you know, and they'll get offended. Can we look for these, Maddie, very quickly? 1 Corinthians 1.18. So what happens to people? Why are they doing this? What's taking place here? 1 Corinthians. She's looking for that. 118, listen to the Bible this morning. For the message of the cross is foolishness. How many know the message of the cross literally means preaching? It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, to us who are being saved, it is a power of God. The message of the cross to those that are Partying, perishing, they don't care, they don't want God, they don't want anything to do with God. It's like, that's dumb, man. Why are you guys doing that? Why are you preaching? Why? I want to hear the word of God. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, we're being saved or are saved or living for Jesus, living for God. It is a power of God. You came to church this morning, beloved, not necessarily for the preacher. You came for the preaching. You came for the preaching of the word of God. I just happen to be a, a vessel God's using. But we come so we can 
have God's power move through our lives. Are you with me? In 1 Corinthians 2.14, Look for that here too. First Corinthians two fourteen. You're like, well, why don't some people get it then? Why don't they want to live for Jesus? Anybody ever ask that question? It's like made simple. Mm, okay, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they're again foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Now listen, our hope and prayer is that listen. As we've come in, if, as I came in, listen, God calls, uh, no one can come to the Father as the Father draws him. God calls uh, sinners unto repentance. Jesus was a friend of the sinner. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Thank God for that, beloved. Yeah. Our fellowship is based upon, built upon the Jesus revolution. That's where we started. You want to know where we came from? From the Jesus revolution. Years ago, a bunch of hippies got saved, uh, 1969, 70. Pastor William Mitchell stepped into that to the Foursquare Gospel Church and eventually became the Potter's House. But the initial, listen, movement, revival, we're a bunch of hippies. <laughs> That's our roots. And God can move in people's lives. Thank God for that. Can you say amen, church? But here's that verdict, certainly. Also, people follow other teachings. Why don't they want to come to the gospel well, they follow other teachings. 2 Timothy 4.3, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine. Let me explain that very quickly. It's a great, great website, gotquestions.org. It says simply this, 1 Timothy 4.16, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will say both yourself and your hearers. Stay close to the Word of God. They write, Biblical doctrine helps us understand the will of God for our lives. Biblical doctrine teaches us the nature and character of God. It preaches salvation through faith, instruction for the church, God's standard of holiness for our lives. When we accept the Bible as God's Word to us, we have a solid foundation for our doctrine. Biblical doctrine is that which incorporates the whole counsel of God, Acts 20, 27, and draws conclusions based on that which seems most closely aligned with the character of our unchanging God, Hebrews 13, 8. See, when people begin to pick and choose or not want to worship the Lord thy God, they follow other teachings. And the Bible says doctrines of demons. They began to, begin to have itching ears. I don't know why I think in Spanish it's called arroña. I don't know what, what it is. In, but itching ears, right? In other words, a little scratching ear like, hey, what about this doctrine? What about this doctrine? What about this new thing? What about this new thing over here? You know what I'm amazed about right now? It's taking place throughout the world. How many people are simply forgetting what Hamas did to Israel and now are protesting. They're being, uh, they have this uh, anti-Jew mindset going taking place in our universities. Somebody said they're not, they're not becoming smarter, they're becoming dumber. 
Have you ever heard of Adolf Hitler? Have you ever gone back and looked at history? Have you looked at the Word of God? The Jews are God's people. We know that. The Bible says to pray for Israel. And if you do, God will help you and give you favor. And we are that branch, uh, that wild branch, uh, you know what, that's been grafted uh, onto Jesus. Can you say amen? We were born to be wild. Born to be wild. But listen, through that, listen, uh, we had life, uh, and God began to help us, and we became fruitful in our lives. Let's praise God for that. Come on, church. So follow the right teaching. Dio Moody said, I view the world as a sinking ship, and it's my job to get as many souls off as possible. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through 18, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message again of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Thank God for that. I want to look finally, beloved. Why do we need preaching? Let me just say, by the way, John the Baptist came as a preacher, right? Eating locust, honey. People are probably doing that today, a very natural thing, I guess, you know. <laughs> Wearing camel's hair. I don't know, it's looking like somebody out of Woodstock. I don't know, man, but, or, you know, some kind of like, I always picture Ted Nugent, but anyways, I know I'm dating myself. But here's this guy, man. He's just coming out there. He probably just had a bunch of locusts and this stuff. Hallelujah, friend, I want to tell you right now. You know what I mean? People are looking at this guy like, this guy's radical, dude. He's like a crazy man, but he, he's preaching the word of God. By the way, he came, God helped him to preach. God wanted him to preach. He didn't go out there having like two hours worth of a song service. I want you to go sing. Someone's crying, Lord, kumbaya. They tell him, John, I want you to go out there and wave a bunch of flags. Run around the church building, fall down somewhere over there in the backyard, and don't get up to tomorrow morning. No. The job was preach. Why do we need preaching? You know what's happening in many places, beloved? People are forgetting the word of God. They're not preaching the Bible anymore. Pastor Mitchell said years ago, if you guys simply stick to the word of God, you're going to separate yourselves from 90% of everybody else. Just preach the Bible, please. One, preaching helps bring people to a decision very quickly. Look at the word of God. Here he's preaching. John preaches. By the way, verse 7, uh, it sounds pretty crazy. Then he said to the multitude that came out to be baptized by him, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I don't know about you, man, but that's like, wow, that's pretty radical. Somebody probably said, where's the love in that guy right now? I don't know. Verse 8, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. If somebody says they're safe, there should be fruits worthy of repentance. Are you with me this morning, church? It helps bring people to a decision. Verse 10, they're hearing him preach. So the people asked him, saying, in verse 10, what shall we do then? It's like, man, 
I'm hearing what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. Anybody ever been there before? Like, I gave up. I need Jesus now. Did I have a witness this morning? I need God this morning. God is, is moving in my heart. That's why Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. If you've ever been in a church service, you're like, who told that pastor about me? It's getting a little warm in here. I told years ago, we were sitting in a church service. I'm there with Liz. Pastor Ruby's preaching. And I looked at Liz. I'm like, did you, tell, did you talk to pastor about us? She's like, no. That's the Holy Spirit. And there is an altar call after the sermon. I'm like, okay, honey. But God's word was like, not to kill us. But like a surgeon, uh, he wants to listen, possibly take some things out that will kill you. Like, man, that right there, you better take that thing out, man. It's going to jack you up, dude. This is right here, too. This is right here, too. So preaching helps bring people to a decision. That's why foremost, listen, uh, uh, a pulpit was made in a church, beloved, uh, amen, with a Bible uh, to be preached at. In the old days, they would have, like, glass back here or somewhere here where they didn't have electricity, let's say, the 1800s, uh, and everything was focused, uh, the light was focused uh, on the pulpit, not for the preacher, but for the illumination of the Word of God. The Word of God is what changes us. We're like, God, I need to hear that. Can it get us upset at times? Yeah. Can it cut? Yeah, you bet. But it's not meant to kill you again. It's meant to help you. Again, here's Pastor Mitchell. Truth cannot be disassociated from emotion and zeal. Christianity lives by the foolishness of preaching. Preaching is a peculiar calling, and it demands an immediate response. So they heard the preaching, got convicted, made a decision. It creates the environment of that. You won't create an environment of that through any other means except by preaching, beloved. Number two, what happens here? What takes place? Preaching God's truth can cause one to change their direction and course in life and puts them on a new path. Are you still with me? Verse four in the message translation says this. As described in the words of Isaiah the prophet, Thunder in the desert. Prepare God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. Every ditch will be filled in. Every bump smoothed out. The detours straightened out. All the ruts paved over. Everyone will be there to see the parade of God's salvation. Talk about a road construction project. God begins to move in people's lives. Oh, there was people there, beloved, uh, hearing that preaching. Uh, verse 11, he said, he answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Uh, to the general public, uh, that change uh, came simply from this. Uh, amen. Uh, don't be selfish. Uh, be unselfish. Can you say amen? 
Start serving, giving, be generous. Philippians 2, 4 through 5, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. Or in other words, when Jesus comes into your life, uh, you start changing. And one of the things that starts changing in all of us is our selfishness. Like it's not just about me, myself, and I, and everything in here, and all that. Right? That's why he says, hey, man, somebody asked you for a tunic, give him two. If somebody asks you for something, give it. Right? Person's like, I'm going to hoard, 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 hoard. And everybody comes to that point, and they're like, man, I need to make a Goodwill trip. I got so much junk in my, my garage. Right? We could do that. But here, the general public did that. Tax collectors, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but verse 12 through 13, People that work for Rome, they swindled, they extorted money for themselves. They changed how? They became honest with money and uh, God's business. Now, they work for Rome taxes. I'm going to say that was God's business, but you know what? They stopped cheating people with their money. One thing that happens when somebody really, really gets saved, how they view money changes. Hardened soldiers they're like, what should we do, man? He said, hey, man, no more shakedowns, no more blackmail. Uh, you know what? Don't use your authority to abuse people. Stop being the Gestapo. God puts us in a new path. He changes our lives. The last thing is this. Ultimately, preaching should lead people to Jesus. Look at Luke 3, 15 through 16, almost done, church. Now, as the people were in expectation and all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John, that guy right there, he could preach. Is he Jesus? I like that guy. John, hearing that, verse 16, answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He is speaking about Jesus. John is saying, I'm not the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior. Can you say amen? He's pointing to the Savior, ultimately preaching. Listen, uh, points, the, the voice of John pointed to another voice. The other voice uh, is a voice of Jesus that we have to listen to. That's why John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. The preaching, the voice, this voice preaches to the voice. Ultimately, to the love of Jesus and all he's done for us. And thank God for that. You know what our part is? It's to also be that voice. Luke 4, 18. says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord. And the Master says, I want you to do the same thing. Go out to the highways and byways and hedges. Luke 14, 23 says, Compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. 
truth is, beloved, this morning, you don't need this pulpit. You can have a pulpit, and that pulpit needs to be in your home, Amen. at your job place, at your school. You are the voice. You may be the only Jesus people ever hear. The story goes like this. I'm going to pray. As Nazi Germany was increasing, men that preached the word of God were basically found out by the Gestapo. They began to look at different guys going into their churches. And if they're not preaching that Hitler is the Savior, if they're preaching Jesus is the Savior, get that guy. Hitler imprisoned a German pastor, Martin Niemöller. For eight years, he spent time in prisons and concentration camps, a place called uh, Dachau, I believe. Hitler realized that if Niemöller, a first World War hero, could be persuaded to join his cause, and much opposition would collapse. So he sent a former friend of Niemöller to visit him, a friend who now supported the Nazis. Here's this pastor, Martin Niemöller, in the prison, in jail, Seeing this man in prison, the one-time friend is reported by saying this, Martin, Martin, why are you here? To which he received from Niemöller the response, my friend, why are you not here? Don't become complacent with the word of God the voice, the preaching. Stand firm. Stand your ground. That story, I promise, years ago, Pastor Ruby, the early church of San Antonio, took a young disciple to, to uh, Tucson. They went to conference. It's an evening of conference, maybe the first night, I'm not sure. Monday night, Pastor Warner just preached. They're praying and, you know, it's a crowded building. It's not the building I have now. Somebody shot into that building and killed that young disciple. He was in Houston, actually, at the time. Killed this guy. Ambulance comes, takes the body. Can you imagine? First night or something of conference, Bible conference? Somebody got shot in the church, bullet went through. Pastor Ruby, man, was grieved. Told me later, he goes, Roland, you know what? I didn't know if I was going to preach again. I honestly was going to resign. I was going to tell Pastor Warner, that's it, Pastor. He thought about these things. The very next morning, it's a Tuesday, I believe, morning seminar. Pastor Warner rolls his wheelchair in front of that door where the, man, the young man got shot. Still a little blood stain, been cleaned up, but you could tell where the blood was on that carpet. And he prays right there during morning prayer. He's making a statement that simply said, Lord, your word is still going to be preached. Can you say amen this morning? I like your head bowed.